This is the Garden Path Podcast. Hey, gardeners, Misty here for another great episode. Can you believe that we're already a month into 2021? Time seems to be flying by already. The first signs of spring are coming up around my parts of Texas, and I hope in the coming weeks, some of y'all might be getting a little taste of that too. Well, I have something special for today's episode, a guest interview. Yes, I know it has been so long. This is the first one I've done since December of 2019. And honestly, I didn't know if or when I would get back to them, but I'm dipping my toes back in and have some ideas for upcoming guests this spring. So stay tuned for that. Today's guest is someone who is well-known in the gardening world, a speaker, an author of eight books, and a wellness advocate, Shauna Coronado. Last fall, I read one of her latest books, No Waste Organic Gardening, and knew Shauna would be a great guest to have on the podcast. If you aren't familiar with Shauna, we start the episode with a bit about her background and then delve into some of the fabulous tips she has in No Waste Organic Gardening. I will share some links, such as her TEDx talk and other pertinent places to follow her, including her website, in the show notes for the episode. All right, on to my chat with Shauna. Okay, well, yes, Shauna, so thank you so much for coming on the Garden Path podcast today. You're my first guest in over a year. I actually haven't been doing guests uh, in a very long time. I've been doing a lot of solo episodes, and so I'm just kind of trying to ease myself back into talking with other gardeners again, and I thought you would be a great person to to start that. So thank wow. you for... A yeah. lot of honor, and I feel, and I am a yacker, so you got the right person on board. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so I actually, you know, like I just told you before we uh, started recording, is that, yeah, I kind of did dip, deep dive into, you know, all your, some of your writing and your watched your TED Talk, but maybe for gardeners who don't know who you are, can you, like, introduce yourself and where you're from and just kind of how you got into gardening in this book publishing world? Oh my goodness. Yes. So I am Shauna Coronado. You can find me at my website, shaunacoronado.com. And I am the author of more than eight books and they are all based on gardening, wellness, and cooking. So I'm really focused on health as, as a generality. And who knew that a garden was so much more than just a garden, right? This is about helping people. Right. And so that's my whole mantra over and over. I want people to live a healthy lifestyle and I'm here to help them. And how I started way back when, like when we're talking about where am I from? I'm from Indiana. I grew up on a farm Mm. in Indiana and learned what hard work was. You know, that's what you have yeah. a farm, really. <laughs> and um, I currently garden in Mesa, Arizona. I lived in Illinois for more than 30 years, moved, moved, you know, stayed in the Midwest. And I had this front lawn vegetable garden that kind of became social media famous and uh, which was exciting. But all I was trying to do was to feed people. You know, I donated 500 pounds of food every year to my local food pantry. And then uh, I, I really... I have to confess the secret. I hate winter. Like, yeah. <laughs> much. <laughs> like I really hate winter, not just ordinary hate. Like I would get SAD in January and February. I always joke with my audiences when I go around speaking that that's the only time I ever wanted to leave my husband was in January. And <laughs> <laughs> seriously, uh, you know, I was just always so down. So um, when the last kiddo moved out, I said, you know, I, let's move someplace warm. And we did a lot of research and ended up in Arizona. And so now I live in Mesa, Arizona, 
And what I've done here is I've combined desert gardening. So this year is the first full year I've been here and I planted a Zurich garden out in my mm. front lawn, which was I, my front yard looked like Mars. It was just yeah. flat with rock. There was nothing here. And so I, I started in with desert gardening and then on my side yard, I have a vegetable hall of love. Now it is a full on elevated vegetable garden. It's elevated so that I can get to it easily and teach people how to grow up, if you will, which is mm-hmm. a lot more healthy. And so uh, that's been so exciting. And, you know, how I really got into gardening is my grandmothers were all intensive gardeners. I had, I come from a yours, mine and ours family. So I had three, <laughs> three grandmas, not just two. And one of my grandmothers had this insane classic cutting garden where she grew giant zinnias and all kinds of flowers. And to me, that was the classiest, most wonderful thing. It was so beautiful, especially if you've ever seen a giant zinnia, you know, yeah. uh, uh, just so impactful. And she would cut them and have fresh flowers on her countertop. Well, this is not something my parents did, you know? So I yeah. was, wow. <laughs> and I would go out and stand in her garden and eat unending quantity of cherry tomatoes fresh from the vine. And it was a joy. Now, why this garden was really important to me personally is she planted her garden on top of an old sheep pen. Oh, wow. When you do that, your soil is going <laughs> to really kick some butt. Yeah. It's filled with sheep manure. It is insane. And that's where I learned the secret to gardening. It is really all about the soil. And that is the message. Whenever I talk to anyone, whether you're container gardening or you're in ground gardening, truly it's about the soil in relationship to the plants that you plant. So that is how I really got started with gardening in general. And, and that message has really taken, it's all about poop, uh, has really, (laughs) you know, everybody's like, I'm never going to put manure in my garden. I'm like, my goodness, why not? That's the secret. You should do it. So yep. that's, that's my, my story in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, watched, I watched your TEDx talk and that was just uh, amazing how you transform your front yard. You even kind of did some gorilla gardening and brought in the neighborhood. And even I think a neighbor wanted to move there because of that garden. And I thought that was just impressive that, you know, our gardens are so much more than ourselves uh, in not just for, you know, there are the wildlife, but for, for our human neighbors as well. So that, I thought that was very interesting. Without a doubt. So I think you um, wrote your and published self-published your first book. Is that correct? That's correct. I self-published my first book and uh, I did it and it was called Gardening Nude, which sounds very naughty, but it's not about nude gardening. It was really about cleaning your lifestyle up. It was halfway between gardening and more of a wellness discussion. And I knew nothing. Like I I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know how to publish a book. I didn't know. uh, I didn't even know social media existed at that time. I knew nothing about how to go about the process of writing. And I learned the hard way. I hired an editor who kicked my hind in, made me cry. And she and I are now very good friends, but you know, it was really a, a hard learning process. And, um, so I started out with that book and then 
I at a local Starbucks, there were these guys that were always hanging out there, and they one man kept talking about social media. I'm like, what? I've been in marketing for 15 years. I don't know what social media is. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking back at that now. And the guy said to me, he's like, listen, I'm a local high school IT guy, and I'm going to make a billion dollars on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You know, jump ahead. That yeah. man did make a billion dollars. He formed a company called Edmodo, which was a uh, uh, Twitter for high schoolers. It was really fascinating. And that man got millions and millions of dollars in funding and went on to become famous and own his own company and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was like, but you know, blown away. But um, he's like, really, you need to do Twitter and Facebook, you need to get started. And so I started doing Twitter and Facebook. And then what I realized that I thought it, this was all about selling a book. And that's when I realized this is not at all about selling a book. This is about helping people and every day giving tips and help and guidance in order to lift people up, you know, help them find their health, but doing it in a way that it, it's in tiny, small bites. So I started blogging at that point. And then as I started blogging and building a social media following, before I put all my eggs in one basket, before Google Plus shut down, yeah. I had 500,000 followers on there. And, you know, sadly, all eggs, one basket, not yep. smart. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I learned from this whole experience is that connecting with people and engaging with people is what makes positive change and doing positive change for people's health and their mental health are all part of this same thing. So it's not about just posting, for example, a blog post or writing a single book that will make a difference in the world. It's about being there every day, championing people, helping people and making a difference. And that became what writing books about gardening were, that it was not about a garden. It was about so much more than that. And when I finally understood that, that's when I became popular on social media and when I really started connecting with people and it truly did my heart good. And so that's, that's you know, really what getting started in writing books was all about for me. And uh, the, the books uh, that I started writing initially were all garden focused. Uh, they all had health benefits branching off from the initial topic, but it was all about that. Then in 2015, I was diagnosed with severe degenerative osteoarthritis, which was quite crippling. I could barely walk. And I moved then into anti-inflammatory uh, recipes and food and talking more about therapeutic gardening and what that means for the end consumer, the people that were, were reading me and, and, you know, really interchanging with me. Uh, what does health mean to you? And so that's what all of the books that are the most recent are about gardening. And then I also have several recipe books out. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of those titles of the recipe books and they look so enticing and I, I need to flip through them because they look delicious. Do you come up with the recipes yourself or do you have help with anybody else? No, no help. And in fact, all the books, I photographed 95% of them, including the food photography for the food books. So it, it's really been a labor of love. This has not been an easy journey. 
you know, by any means. Um, but in about 12 years time, I've written over eight books. So I think I'm just driven to help people. Yeah. So how did this, your latest book come about the no waste organic gardening book? It's a great book filled of just all sorts of different tips, you know, throughout it. I think some that we've probably seen over the years, you might see on an Instagram feed or, you know, in a magazine, but you've kind of collected them all here. And I guess what made you decide to, to get to do this, this book and uh, how did you put it all together? So no waste organic gardening is actually an adaptation of an earlier book I wrote called 101 organic gardening hacks. And the reason we wrote no waste organic gardening is because the European market did not understand what the word hack meant. Ah. Well, the Americans are very, we do hacks for everything, you know, but the, so we decided to change up the book, the original book, the 101, and make it into something that was a bit more condensed and easier to read. So this book has maybe 90 tips instead of 101, you know? yeah. <laughs> but, but it was an adaptation. And what I did was I took the original tips and then I expanded on them. So, uh, you know, it's changed about a bit. It is adorable if you, the uh, wonderful, wonderful artist who adapted both books really did this great work where she illustrated a lot of it. And her name is Jessie Schneider. And Jessie did such a great job with the cover, I think. Yeah, Uh, I love it. uh, You know, as an author, I have to tell you, we rarely like our covers. I've talked to so many authors and all of us are like, yeah, that's not what I wanted. (laughs) You know, and in this case, both for 101 organic gardening hacks and the no waste organic gardening illustrated by Jesse. Wow. You know, I've just been very, very happy with them. I think they're adorable. It it makes it flow and it looks uh, just very enticing and easy to read. And it makes you draw you into each of the sections and chapters that you've got outlined here. And I guess maybe yeah, we can talk a little bit about some of those uh, chapters and some of your favorites that you kind of, I don't know, the ones you go to time and time again. The ones, you know, let's talk about, I have a couple that I can give you. Uh, one is a topic about no-till gardening. And the, the no-till gardening is without a doubt I have to tell you that when I first heard of no-till gardening, I was raised in a very traditional farm. And in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, my my grandparents were farming with lots of chemicals. Uh, they turned over their soil every single year. And that's because they thought that that's what was expected of them. They didn't understand that by not tilling the garden, you're actually increasing your production. Uh, what I started doing in my front lawn veggie garden, which you know, that garden in Illinois that we talked about Mm -hmm. is the first year only I tilled it under. And the reason why is my soil was exceptionally heavy clay. And so, I mean, you couldn't even jump dig that, you know, it just such, it was like rock. So I went to a convention uh, my husband hates it when I say this, but I met a man at a convention (laughs) and he was six foot eight and he was standing in front of a giant Buffalo sign eating a sandwich. And I was fascinated. I'm like, well, sir, what's with the giant Buffalo? And he says, ma'am, I sell rotted Buffalo poop. (laughs) Seriously, seriously. 
you sell poop from Buffalo, you know, he's like, well, actually bison, but yeah. And so that started our conversation and he said, listen, how about I'm, I'm like, I'm translating my front lawn, that grass and all that stuff I hate into a vegetable garden. And I would love to get some manure. And he's like, I'll send you some samples out. So a couple of weeks later, I receive 5,000 pounds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> of rotted buffalo manure. I, I know. All bagged. So I distributed the bags all over the top of my soil. Remember, knowing that I'm going to turn it under the first year only. And what we do is after I distribute it all, I cut, it looked like a giant marshmallow fairy had thrown up in my front yard. And, you know, I cut all the, and my husband hates to garden. So there was no help. This was me and my eight year old kid at the time, you know, doing this. And so we, we got all the soil out. I cut open the bags. I got everything. And then I threw all the leaves I could find from my neighborhood. Like every leaf I could find, I put in there. And then I had a friend who had a digger, you know, come and turn over the soil for me that first year. From that point on, I never turned it over again. And every year I added another two inches of something else to the soil. So for the, for example, the next year it was leaf mold, which is gold. You know, I added a a heavy layer of leaf mold. The year after that, I added uh, extra soil bags that I had. And the year after that, we went back to rotted manure, although not 5,000 pounds of buffalo manure (laughs) again. You know, and we just rotated. And I kept rotating the layers and layers and then never turning it over. So six, seven years in, you could thrust your hand into my soil And it felt like crumbly sausage. It was amazing. And that soil held more water. So then I didn't have to water the plants as much because I had all the water retention happening from all the microbes that I saved by not turning over the soil. Because when you turn soil over, you kill the microbes beneath the surface. So it's absolutely critical to save, rescue those little babies, those microbes, because they're not growing on the plants, they're growing around the plants and they're eating and excreting and eating and excreting, eating and pooping, if you will. (laughs) And that nutritive value then gets absorbed by the plants. So not only am I saving water, I'm also saving fertilizer. I don't need to add as much fertilizer in a till-free situation. And so that became the message that I shared to the world. I'm like, listen, I'm growing 500 pounds worth of vegetables every year in my tiny front yard, utilizing this method, you can do this too. And so soil secrets are, are where it's at. And that's my, uh, the chapter that I really, really love to talk about in the book. The other chapter that is awesome is growing edibles. And if I have a favorite edible tip to give you is that you can grow edibles in shade. My grandmother always told me that, hell no, you can't grow anything unless it's in full sun. That was her message. And that message is wrong. And I learned this the hard way. Almost any green, almost any herb that's not Mediterranean 
Mediterranean herbs like lavender, for instance, require full sun. Uh, the rule, the secret is called no fruits and no roots. So potatoes, for example, don't do very well in shade and neither do tomatoes, which are officially a fruit. Right. So that became, you know, the message over and over again that you can grow shade tolerant edibles is quite possible. And then I give you a full list in this book so you can learn more about it. Yeah, there's actually quite a bit in here. And I have a we have a lot of shade in our, our flower garden area, but we, we placed our, our edible garden in the sunniest spot possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also in, in the deep south of Texas and deal with the heat like you do in Arizona. So uh, having that shade in the summertime is also a necessity. <laughs> Otherwise, all of our vegetables built anyway. Exactly. And it, being in Arizona now, even like my vegetables are in a side yard. And so it, they officially only get about four hours of sun a day, which is shade. You know, so what I can't grow a tomato in that section of my garden, um, but it, it's almost necessary to have more shade because of the excessive heat that we get during different times of the year. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think this that makes it much more of an accessible uh, to for other gardeners who don't have a lot of sun, who, you know, may live in an older neighborhood with a lot of established trees. And they think, well, I don't have any sun. I can't do an edible garden. But there's plenty of options here. And yeah, maybe those people might not be able to grow tomatoes uh, or lavender, but they can grow kale and rhubarb and all sorts of different things, uh, depending on what their growing season is. So I think that's a a valuable thing. Um, I also wanted to go back to what you mentioned about soil and the leaves from your neighborhood. I think that's a big thing to highlight for so many people looking for folks in the fall that are bagging up their their leaves and that's just going to go to the landfill go around and snag those from from those driveways (laughs) you know i always tell people secretly in the dark of night go with a friend and get a truck and gather as many as you you can yeah without a doubt because uh you the the real secret here is that all you have to do is you take all the leaves that you get and you put them in a large pile and you mow them over if you can, because it helps break down more quickly mm-hmm. and you mow them and then you just ignore them until the spring. And then when you go back out there and again, thrust your hand into that pile, it's going to be this crumbly, delicious, wonderful stuff filled with microbes, perfect for the garden. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple Uh, tips that I highlighted that I thought were very interesting. One of them was the DIY seed tapes. I had never thought about doing that. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that works? Yeah, the seed tapes are super easy. You know, you roll out this long strand of toilet paper. That's it. And, you know, and believe me, we all have toilet paper now because we have collected it. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, with, I get a toothpick. Let's use tomato seeds as an example. I get a toothpick and I lick the toothpick. I touch it to a seed and I place it on the toilet paper after I put a tiny dollop of glue on it. Hmm. And that holds it in place. I fold the toilet paper roll over and shabing, shabang, shaboom. I now have a strip that I can plant anywhere in the soil. And the rule is that you need to keep the seeds far enough apart, like they would grow after you thin them. Right. You know, so Swiss chard, for example, you don't plant Swiss chard two inches apart 
when it's out in the garden because it gets quite large. So, you know, like 12 inches apart would be an adequate length. And so it just depends on on uh, what seeds you want to plant. You can do all of it right there with that, uh, with the toilet paper garden tape. And it's easy, easy to make. And the benefit is you don't have to thin. Yeah. And by the way, my, my mother-in-law, she's such a delight. And she hates thinning radishes. She says that makes her cry because she feels <laughs> like she's killing them. <laughs> like, exactly. You know? Yep. <laughs> So oh my um and the, the other one I want to highlight because we've done it ourselves is your tree stump container garden and when we moved in here at our our prop our property here in Texas we were coming off of a drought and so we had a ton of trees that we had to cut down because they died in the drought and some of them we did turn into little tree containers and hollowed them out a little bit and We've planted different things. Now they're starting to finally rot away, but it's mm-hmm. it's really fun because it mimics nature a little bit uh, with, you know, nurse logs and that sort of thing. And I don't think people think too much about that when they're cleaning up their yard that, hey, if you just leave that, you know, another, pl- it's great, great thing for another plant and, and little, you know, insects as well. It is. In fact, what we did was we made, if you, you can look it up online, we made a stumpery which is several stumps piled up together with some of them planted and others not. And we made, my daughter and I made a fairy garden. So we had a fairy garden stumpery, which was adorable for a little like nine-year-old girl. You know, she really thought that was the cutest and we we had a lot of fun. And like you said, eventually those stumps rotted, you know, it was maybe five years in, it took a while. Yeah. Then I always consider it when something like that happens, uh, other people are like, Oh, Oh, your, your fairy garden, how devastating. And, and for me, I was like, oh, heck no, that's a new opportunity. Uh, when something dies or when something collapses or changes, it's a great time to evolve and, and find something new in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how many of these tips do you use on a, not even a, maybe a seasonal basis? Are you all, using them often? I use all of them a lot. There's very few that I don't use. And the reason, this is so funny. When my publisher first called me about the original book, 101 Organic Gardening Hacks, he called me like in late December of that year and said, you know, I know it's not gardening season, so you won't be able to get the photos to us. And I'm like, dude, I have photos of this. This is how I garden." You know, the hacks, the tips, the this is how my grandmother gardened. I have them all in photographs. We are all set. No need for illustration, you know, for some detailed design or something. And and that's it. You know, these are hacks that I use all the time in my garden that are super smart and easy. And that's the other thing. I how many times do I have to read this very complicated blog post on how to do something? No, thank you. Uh, we need it to be easy and simple to get more people out in the garden doing something that's um, adaptable in their life. And these are tips that are that. Yeah. And I think that's the best thing about is that they're, they're approachable. They're things that people may not think about uh, on the surface, but when they read through it, they're like, oh yeah, I can reevaluate how I'm, you know, disposing of these wine bottles. I can use them to line my, my garden path. I can do all of this different stuff. And um, so I, that's what I appreciate. It was just a very easy, accessible uh, book with a lot of good ideas 
you know, you may not use every single one, but you can definitely experiment and, and figure out which what works for you. Precisely. Um, so I guess maybe, do you have any upcoming book projects? I know you've gotten a whole lot on your plate, but is there anything else uh, that you want to do? Well, the pandemic has changed a lot and the publishing industry has slowed down a little bit. So no book projects, but instead I have something else going on. I've started an online membership club. If you go to my website and click on, uh, you go down the homepage there, the Wellness Garden Good Health Club and check it out. We'll be talking live group diet, garden, and lifestyle coaching, weekly team help where I'm helping the team, monthly challenges, and friendship. So, for example, this first month of January, we did microgreen month. And I taught everyone how to grow microgreens inside their home. So even if you lived in a cold region, you could still grow. And the next month, we're talking about anti-inflammatory food and diet. So I'm giving recipes and tips, and I'm helping people stay on their path. And I think that's the toughest thing. You know, it's, again, it's not just about gardening. It's getting people to adopt a health plan and stay on it. And that's really, really important. So when you talk about what am I doing like gardening wise for, you know, post pandemic and all that, this has been an evolution. And I realized that staying on the path, sticking with the wellness plan and teaching people how to grow microgreens and vegetables, but also how to stay healthy is where it's all at. That's why the cookbooks came out because, and the cookbooks, by the way, are called Stacked with Flavor. It, there's a series of them. And so look up Stacked with Flavor and grab some great recipes and use those vegetables. Yeah, perfect. Because so many of us grow something and then we're stuck making the same old recipe or or not even sure how to use something. And uh, I definitely will be checking that out and recommending that to, to other folks. Terrific. Terrific. And is there anywhere else? I mean, you mentioned your website and uh, your club. Is there anywhere else you, people can follow you online? Well, everywhere, uh, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> search for your Shauna Coronado. Yeah. I'm pretty much everywhere. I, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and just search Shauna Coronado uh, as either the name, you know, or go to my website, shaunacoronado.com and you could click on any of these things. And if people are looking for another book that they might like that's about gardening, I highly recommend The Wellness Garden, which is uh, one of my most recent books that feature health, wellness, and therapeutic growing. And if you're interested, if you have something like osteoarthritis or a physical condition that limits you, I have other books. And one of them is called Grow a Living Wall, where you can learn how to grow up. And so uh, getting people out in the garden to garden, even if they think they can't, is so important. And that's what it's all about. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and talk about your book and you know, just kind of get people more interested in, and realize that gardening isn't as uh, tricky as sometimes it's made out to be, that it's just, as a matter of fact, is just getting out there, learning a little bit about the soil and, and starting some seeds. So I appreciate what you're doing. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me on your show. You're welcome. <laughs> That's it from our interview with Shauna. I hope you were inspired to check out No East Organic Gardening and delve a bit deeper into the thrifty and practical tips outlined in her book, and maybe even branch out and read some of her other books she's published. Show notes for the episode are at thegardenpathpodcast.com, and you can find me on Instagram at thegardenpathpodcast. Thanks for listening, and happy gardening. <laughs>